Charlie will be on behind the schemes with uh, Booberry. How about that? And, and Lavash. Lavash, yes. Yeah, can't forget about Lavash. <laughs> I call him lavish. This program contains mature subject matter. Including maladjusted youth, masochistic hillbillies, and the excitement of the price is right. It may be deemed inappropriate for our younger viewers. Viewer discretion advised. Ten days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and, and Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz. I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who had used, used to work for me. And one of the generals called me in. He said, sir, you got to come in. you got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, well, you're too busy. He said, no, no. He says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq. Why? He said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect connecting Saddam to Al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if... If the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. It's worse than that. It's episode 139 of Behind the Schemes for February 13th, 2023. And I don't know what else to do. This is Booberry Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way the hell over here on the bereft coast, where honestly, this state should probably be seven different countries. My name is Lavish. And we are super thrilled to announce that we have a special guest star. Everybody give it up for author and podcaster, Charlie Robinson. Hello. What's going on? 
The last time that we talked, Charlie, we were pitting our douchebags against each other. Yes, we were. And I was, I was outmatched. I got my, I got the Seagal beaten off of me. <laughs> it, it wasn't a blowout. It was, those were close uh, from what I recall. They weren't yeah. just complete smashes. You, you know, you contended. I, I mean, I still consider him to be the king of the douchebags. I really do. I mean, he's Steven Seagal, for God's sake. <laughs> the most douchey. hated person to ever appear on Saturday Night Live, universally known as that. I think it's even in Wikipedia. Um, a guy who routinely uh, likes to talk down to women, children, grown men, anybody that he considers underneath him. He still pretends like he speaks foreign languages when he doesn't. He's a He's a certified lunatic. He sets up uh, fake fights. Yeah, he pretends like he's this martial arts master, and then he just kind of pushes people around and yeah. pays them to, to fall. We, we had yeah. uh, some show art not too long ago of a Steven Seagal mash, and he's just shoving people to the ground, and they're rolling into it. That's, Judo. That's a master at his craft. <laughs> you, you remember when Elvis was, like, really strung out on pills and would do, like, karate? He's in a that karate, kind of man. That rem- <laughs> reminds me of uh, Seagal. Like, end-stage Seagal, end-stage Elvis. Without, <laughs> you know, without the talent, of course. If you distilled the worst aspects of Elvis down to its very basic principles, you'd have a Seagal. I agree. <laughs> A.K.A. reverse alchemy. <laughs> mm. yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. We got uh, we got some fun stuff. We got uh, actually I don't know if I want to spill the beans quite yet. So maybe we should just crack into the tarot card straight away. Indeed, uh, tonight we well every single show we pull a tarot card, and tonight we pulled from the uh, gilded deck. Or I pulled from the gilded deck. We got the six of pentacles, Here which comes the money is a pretty sweet card. It uh, here's some keywords for it. You got generosity, charity, community. Uh, you have material help, support, sharing, giving and receiving, gratitude. G. Willikers, what a nice card. And the image on the card uh, is a what seems to be a wealthy merchant uh, in purple robes uh, holding these scales, perhaps the scales of justice. And on the scales you have two perfectly equally weighted uh, pentacles or coins. And then you have the other coins uh, below that kind of just represent that it's raining money. So pretty good, pretty good fancy card. I'm, Make it. I'm checking through the uh, sub stack and just this idea of uh, the income flowing forth. Uh, it was 95, and that was the first time uh, Mitch helped helped us uh, go live in app for Podverse. Yes, because we've drawn this card before. So the first time was in 95, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, I like the Pinnacle cards. It's uh, They're comforting, you know? Yeah, they're not so abstract. Uh, as uh, wands and and things like that, things that have to do with the will or the imagination Emotion. or some divine essence. Yeah, this is you know, you're hurting or you're not hurting uh, financially. Yeah, uh, nice little card. Uh, any thoughts on this uh, card, Charlie? Well, you mentioned the scales, and uh, I'm a Libra, and oh. that is our symbol or the scales, the balance. I'm going to bring balance to the universe. There you go. Like the force. I'm going to restore the force. I love it. Our guest reflected in the tarot draw. This is why we do the tarot draw. Sometimes some really spooky stuff happens. Yeah, like uh, 
when we had Larry in the, I believe it was the King of Swords. Yep. It doesn't happen all the time, but it's it's nice to have the card at least to sort of frame um, mm-hmm. frame the episode, you know. And it, most of the time, it doesn't require any sort of like uh, making it fit. It just falls in falls in line like it was meant to be, <laughs> and it always is. Uh, if anybody wants to see that card, you can of course go to our show notes, which are available uh, to anybody at zososcorner.substack.com. You can see the image for yourself. And Charlie, I actually uh, shot you over that link in a DM, so you can... Uh, I've got it open. Very oh, nice. Very legal. Uh, but we do, this, we do this show live every Monday night. You can check us out over at badradio.live. Uh, we kick the stream on at 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock Eastern specifically, and then the show goes live 7.30 Pacific, 9.30 Central, 10.30 Eastern. Uh, we got a chat room, classic IRC. It's the best place to be. Oh, getting Boostergram coming in. That was brilliant. Of course, uh, <laughs> Boostergram being a uh, microtransaction of Bitcoin, small pieces of Bitcoin. And that was Make Heroism just sent in 9,999 Satoshis. Uh, put a goat back together. We've got a whole ranch full of goats. So if you want to slaughter one, if you want to put one together, you may, through the magic of Boostergrams. Um, I have to go ahead and apologize, Charlie. I did not have the foresight to tell you to bring a um a poncho for tonight. Okay. Um and we're all out. Well I do have it's a little sticky, but I have a tarp we could drag out for him if you want it. I mean it's totally up to you. Sometimes these things can get a little messy. There's a lot of goat parts flying around. Uh especially when the chain sword starts spinning up. Um it's it's just it's a mess. And uh, I thought you were gonna say it's raining men. Well, <laughs> there's female goats in there too, right? Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. we're about as diverse of, of of a podcast as it gets. We're inclusive when it comes to the slaughter. They goats, <laughs> they goats, <laughs> she goats, them goats, <laughs> them goats over there. Bring them on down here. <laughs> you know, singing. What was you know? I was going over stuff. George Bush reading what when nine eleven happened. The pet goat. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It all ties together somehow. You think he was into pet play? He was into goat slaughter. <laughs> Pull it! Um, goodness. Well, if you want to get in on the Boostergram action, you can always go over to nudepodcastapps.com, check out one of the new podcasting apps uh, that'll do stuff like chapters, transcripts. Uh, you can listen live in app to a show like we are right now in a, in a couple podverse, CurioCaster. Um, and all of the boostergrams that get sent tonight, we got Charlie set up with an Albi wallet, which is uh, I find to be super exciting. So we wrote him into the split. And he'll get a a percentage of the stats as they come in. We got him split. Appreciate it's- it. Considering I just got back from Anarchapulco, where we were talking about crypto for like five days straight. Anybody mention the Lightning me. Network? Um, they might have. I didn't hear all of the presentations because i was kind of running all over the place but uh we had def we had uh we had a guy doing talking about monero we had the pirate chain guys were there obviously people were talking about bitcoin um and uh, a new one called hush and uh yeah i didn't hear i didn't hear lightning specifically but there was a secondary stage where things were going on it was more like for 
almost like for workshops. So they did have kind of like a crypto for dummies component to it where they would take people over there and kind of get them set up with, with what they needed. So there, there might've been more of an explanation about lightning there, but I, I didn't hear it myself. Mm. But it wasn't just all about crypto there. It was, it was about, what was the general theme of uh, Anarchapulgo? Just decentralization in general, in all facets. Personal responsibility, you know, Um, personal responsibility for your own health and wellness, for your own financial sovereignty, or your own uh, governmental sovereignty. There are a lot of people there teaching you how to grow food. There are people there teaching you how to homeschool people. Yeah, you know, homeschool your your kids or to set up homeschooling networks and uh, so really it's I, I think if I had to boil it down to 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 one thing it would be you know personal responsibility don't sit around and wait for the government to fix a problem that they created you go out and do it your way and by the way here are all these people that are doing it their way and if you think their way works then uh, sit down and listen to what they have to say or go talk to them after. Uh, during the conference, and and there's a lot of networking going on, a lot of people that are just meeting um, interesting people worldwide. It's a fantastic uh, event, really just outstanding. And Sir Sir Seed Sitter just reminded me in the chat that uh, y'all ended up having a dinner with Ron Paul. Is that correct? Dr. Ron. That is correct. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like Dr. Paul and I went out to dinner together, the two of us or anything. I mean, there were, there was, it, it was a, a, a pretty good group but yeah um down on the beach he did he spoke and then uh jeff pulled me aside and said let's go you ready to you want to go want to go do the dinner thing with him i was like yeah absolutely so we i I hung out uh had dinner listened to him talk there he's fantastic he was with daniel mcadams then they sort of then they took off and i said well you know where's the after party and the after party is this bar that's down the street <clears throat> called the Crow House, Casa de los Cuervos, and that's uh, a, a bar that Max Egan just bought. So it's Max's bar. So you go down there and hang out with Max Egan and and listen to him. Uh, where they had live music. They had f- people twirling fire, you know, outside and on the streets. It was a it was the after party every night for Anarchapulco's down on Bonfield Beach at uh, at Max Egan's bar. That's fun. That sounds like a really, really good time. <laughs> I mean, that's why I've lost my voice is because I was there till three o'clock in the morning, like just about every other night. And it just lavish. It sounds like we should schedule uh, an emergency BTS meetup for next year. <laughs> oh, immediately post haste. Uh, I think the- you. I think you probably would really like it. It's a. It's a great gr- a group of people that are. Um. um you know, forward thinking, they're not sitting around waiting for somebody to do, do it for them. They, they recognize that the system is totally broken and corrupted. And instead of trying to fix a broken system, they say, we're just going to build a better system outside of this. And if you guys want to come and be a part of it, we'd love to have you. And if not, that's okay too. And, um, it's quite inspiring, you know, and then you find out that it's international. There's a ton of Australians there and Canadians. Good Lord. I mean, everywhere you looked, Mm. there were, Canadians and Australians, because of course their their countries are run by fascist lunatics, and, and of course these people are trying yeah. to escape. So their countries are uh, arguably worse than ours, probably worse yeah. than ours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's a it's a hellhole. And Max Egan escaped from Australia, quite literally escaped. The authorities were looking for him. He <laughs> left his house, left everything, grabbed everything that he could carry, sent a coded message 
through a video out to Jeff Berwick, which was which they had arranged in advance, which meant if you ever hear this message, that means I'm leaving and I'm on my way to Acapulco. Come get me. And <laughs> when Jeff heard, listened to the video and heard that message, he went, oh, shit, Max is on the run. So uh, he made arrangements for Max to be uh, taken care of, picked up, housed, disappeared, you know, so that nobody would find him and now he's in mexico bought a bar down there and he's running it and uh you know living his best life and who would have thought you know somebody been so betrayed we have been so terribly betrayed you got a boost coming please continue yeah (laughs) who would have thought you'd go to mexico for 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 freedom right isn't it isn't it aren't we told that like everyone from mexico is coming here that might be true but then there's a lot of people that are like i'm going the other direction i'm out of here I've only ever had the pleasure of going, uh, it was a two week work thing, uh, Monterey. It was, uh, it was cool. Uh, it was the first time being in Central America. Um, but we were stuck in a casino for, uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't a casino. It was a, it was a mall slash theater. So, you know, we weren't like really set up to do much traveling outside of that, like three block radius. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, they, a different different animal. <clears throat> they have a, uh, a very working. like open. I mean, you can build like you were saying on OBDM. You can build. You can you can. There aren't a lot of regulations. There aren't a lot of things that that hold you down in Mexico. Not as many as here. No, I was talking to Jeff about that. He says, you know, you don't see in Mexico much. You you, you don't see homeless people, and the reason is because if you're homeless, what you do is you go around one day and you. You gather up a bunch of cinder blocks and you find a piece of land some, somewhere kind of near where you are and you just build yourself like a like a little hut and put a roof on it and now you've got a home. Yeah. <laughs> just, there's no regulations or you just you just go do that. So you might, you know, you have shelter because you just can do that. He says whereas in America you know, you try and do that, and then they come and tear it down, and they tell you they're going to take you to jail or or give you a fine or whatever. So he says, in Mexico, that doesn't happen. But here, you just need a Coleman's tent, and you can basically do the same thing. <laughs> in Portland. And get paid for All it. over the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they'll put you in a hotel every now and again. And we were oh. doing that in, in the mini-ocalypse. That was easy. Come on down. Burn this place to the ground. We'll set you up. <laughs> Back in the day, they just bust them over here. Oh goodness! Well, the um, the trip sounds super fun. I uh, how many times or how many years have you been going now? Uh, this was my third. I went in 2019, 2020, left twenty twenty February, middle of February. You know, and uh, we didn't know. We I mean, we were hearing some Wuhan stuff, but we didn't we didn't really know for sure what was happening. And then three weeks later, the whole world got flipped upside down. Twenty twenty one, they didn't have it. Uh, last year they did, they moved it to a different place, <clears throat> which is where we were this year. And this last year, it was the best one ever. I mean, the, the crowd was great. The location was amazing. The producers were the best. It was, it was well run. It was on time, well organized. The food was good. The people were, um, knowledgeable. It just, yeah, they, they nailed it this year for sure. It was great. I think if people are looking to maybe get out for a week, and uh, be around some like-minded people, make some connections, or they're thinking about maybe leaving their country of origin and going somewhere else. It's worth it. It's worth investing some time in that that experience and getting to know people there. 
And were you speaking? Uh, like, did you have speaking engagements, or were you yeah. just there? Yeah. So you're yeah, running around so, doing a lot of that. Yeah. So um, the lineup on uh, I went. So it was Monday, and I was batting second in the 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 lineup was uh, um, a guy named Chris Horlicher. He was talking about fighting the five eyes, and then I went, and then mm. and Jeff Berwick talked. Patrick Smith talked. He's the host of the Enter. Max Egan, he spoke. Larkin Rose spoke, the author of uh, Most Dangerous Superstition, spoke, and then Ron Paul. So that was the lineup for for Monday. So I spoke for 45 minutes, and then uh, we did, Jeff and I did a book signing. Jeff, and I, Jeff was my uh, co-author on The Controlled Demolition of the American Empire. So this was the first time we had been together since the book came out. And uh, so I said, well, we, sh- we should do a book signing. So we... We did that and 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 had that kind of off to the side of the stage and um, and then everybody that was a part of this event they donated items or services and they were they they had auctions every you know after every speech they would auction off uh, you know, like Jeff and I signed a book and they auctioned it off for three hundred bucks and then this money went towards a uh, orphanage that's right down the street in Bonfield oh. Beach and then they would have the kids from the orphanage come each day and they would like perform on the stage, do a little dance or maybe the next day they do like a hula hoop dance and, and all of this. So you could see where everything was, you know, you could see who was going to be benefiting from this. And then they took an, they made an NFT of each individual speech and then auctioned that off too. So there were multiple revenue streams that they were generating from, from these, uh, you know, just for, for auction purposes. And, and I think they they raised I don't even know I mean I, I I don't know the final numbers but I heard I heard numbers like over sixty five thousand bucks for this uh, for this orphanage that was you know walking distance from from this place so so a really Wonderful. good vibe and 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 trying to spread the money around a little bit and you know you got a lot of crypto guys there but it's not like the it's not like the Lambo guys you know it's more of like I was in, builders. They yeah, wanna, they're the they builders. Build These, you got it. These are the guys that are like, I was in early because I'm a, I'm a, you know, interested in cryptography, or I'm a, I'm a computer guy who had this idea. They, they, they this was not the bottle service crowd. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that just wasn't who this crowd is. So um, these aren't the guys building bunkers in San Francisco. No, the, no. The These are guys building new networks that are going to run uh, off the grid or they're going to allow you, you know, they're running IPFS components to their, um, to their podcasts or whatever, you know? So it's, it's, it, there are a lot of tech guys there. So it was interesting. And, and, and for me, I was just glad to speak so that I get take, you know, I get out there and <clears throat> get brought down there and, and I'm able to stay for a week and listen to everybody else speak. You know, that's really the key there is to like, get out in the audience yourself and like take notes. And so I did that and networked with a lot of people and met interesting, interesting people from all over the world doing, doing cool stuff. A lot of charity work going on there. A lot of people, uh, using crypto to, uh, help unbanked people. A lot of people using, uh, alternative forms of currency to try and get out of the central banking system. So yeah, great Mm -hmm. vibe, uh, of, Felt like a vacation, but it was, I was learning so much. You know, I've never learned so much on a vacation in my life. You know, it was just it was overwhelming. I can only imagine the uh, 
we're both relatives. Well, I think Lavish might have a couple more years under my belt or under his belt uh, than myself. But um, as far as I'm concerned, we're both relatively newcomers to digital digital currency, specifically Bitcoin. It's um, it seems like there's a high barrier of entry, but as soon as you get past that, well, I'm just going to have to figure it out. It's uh, it does seem like it is the way <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And these guys explain why they, they're these guys. They like Bitcoin for one reason, and then they like Monero for another reason that is sort of similar in that, you know, a sort of capped supply so that you don't get this inflationary component to it. But also, you know, they like Bitcoin in the sense that it's everything is out in the open and that and that's great for some things but then they like monero because nothing is out in the open and that's right. great for some things too so so there's room in my heart for both of them and 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 I know that and Jeff had been talking to me about this for years so um i underst- i'm 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 coming to under- i might uh, i might stop you there for a quick second and have you refresh the clock for that's way over my head uh, I might have you refresh your clean free uh, browser there for me because we seem to be dropping into there a little bit and I will do the same. Be right back. Uh, hello. 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 Yeah. He was clipping out there uh, a couple times. Mm. So Let's see if we can knock see it out now. Is it? Yeah. Hello again. We got you, Charlie. Oh, tell me. Oh, there you go. There you are. Yeah, but it looks like his device switched uh, to. I'm not sure. What the, I don't have my glasses on. Oh, ZRZ. No, I, yeah, now I can't hear him. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. When you refresh Charlie, it's um, switch your microphone over to something else. You should be able to click on the cogwheel to the right, drop down menu, and then I guess it was the road that you were on. Ah, there we go. How's that? Uh oh, did we lose him completely? Didn't know. Now, can you hear me? Oh, yep. yes. Yeah, I switched it over to from pro stereo to multi-channel, and now back to pro stereo. Did, did it fix anything? Yes. Yes, yeah. we got you now. Good to go. Yeah, we were kind of losing um, every other word there for a second. Oh, so that's not good. Okay. Yeah, we just kind of give it the yeah, old when you kick. Clear. Yeah. yeah, slap it around. uh, sometimes you gotta whip that browser (laughs) sometimes you gotta put that browser in its place browsers love getting put in their place (laughs) especially the private browsers oh my goodness daddy (laughs) use that vpn on me (laughs) Ooh, i love the nords Mm. oh nord me harder danny (laughs) Um, before boo bear goes full uwu oh yeah uh, I'll do it. So I'll there do are it. there are like multiple tiers now of kind of understanding of crypto. You have people that literally don't understand anything about how it works that still trade in it, still participate in it, and care about the the price and all that. And then you get various degrees from there. People that kind of know it, and then there are brilliant people that know all kinds of things, not only about the system that exists, but how to create new systems. And it behooves you, you know, if you if you aren't a, a big math guy, to kind of be around people who are and to absorb as much as you can. Well, they they did a presentation talking about 
spatial web, which is like 3D slash metaverse future of the internet. And that was fascinating. And one of the things they were showing was how integrated crypto was going to be with that that new transition into a new version of the internet. Now, I don't think like, you know, like the metaverse on Facebook, I'm not, I'm not really like talking necessarily about that but they, they during the <clears throat> the presentation it showed how this new three di- three-dimensional version of the internet works and uh and they showed the market cap of crypto now and in a year and in five years and in 20 years and it was like 50, it was 300 times bigger than it is now in like I think it was like 20 years they showed the market cap of it being just through the roof and how it was going you basically were not going to be able to get away from crypto so it, it does kind of behoove you to all of us i guess myself especially i'm talking to myself to to know as much about this as you can to the extent that you can really understand it because it's not going away and considering what a large market it's going to be you'll be better off uh, the sooner you figure it out i suppose I definitely yeah. would not be surprised if there comes a point in our life when we look back 10, uh, maybe not, t- definitely not 10, um, X amount of years late, uh, later, and we're going to think, wow, can you remember back when people would boost 6666 Satoshis to slaughter a goat, and then <laughs> in the current time, sats are at a dollar a buck, or a dollar a pop, because <laughs> <Right>. one <laughs> Bitcoin is 100 million dollars right right oh i love it and then it'll just be like the it would be the pizza thing all over again wow these people are so fucking crazy they were just throwing uh, sats and bitcoin and, and crypto away the this whole time well, someone got a pizza for three bitcoin you know just hanging on to that dirt to but it goes so fast anyway in my opinion bitcoin has really only been a thing since 2011 2012 maybe it was, it was created around 2009 2008 but Nobody really knew about it until 2010, 11, 12. And, um, and it's only been around, you know, in that sense for 10 years. 10 years makes a big, you know, it's a long time, but it isn't a long time. Yeah, 10 years from now, where, where's it going to be? Where's that, yeah. you know, when, <clears throat> when Africa and Southeast Asia figure it out, when, when you, in, in South America, when, you, when you're tired of, living in Argentina where your currency collapses every 15 years and you say, I'm just done with this, man. I'm done with some new politician comes in, hyperinflates the money supply, everything crashes. Like they pretend like they don't know that this is going to happen or that this is like, Oh shit. I I, I didn't know this was going to happen. Really? You didn't know this was going to, it's happened to every single country that does this. Why did you think this was going to be different? Well, I mean, I have the magic printing press and so I just printed a little bit too much money and then it passed the point of no return and now we're Zimbabwe. Like after that's happened to you enough, you say like Nigeria has done with a third of the population transitioning to Bitcoin, you say, "I'm out, man. I'm not interested in being in a a system where there's just an uncapped amount of currency available because it will always fall into the hands of, of the wrong people, the printing press will, and they will always abuse it. They will they will kill the goose that lays the golden egg because they're politicians and they're sociopaths and that's what they do. And uh, people are just going to get, they're going to get tired of it and check out. And so like the idea, people are talking about like, you know, well, what's Bitcoin going to be worth at some point? They said, listen, 
the guys that I've talked to that are like hardcore, deep into Bitcoin and have been for a while, they say, you're looking at it all wrong. There's a point in time where you just won't accept anything. You just, you, it's not that you're going to trade. It's not like you're going to price Bitcoin into dollars. You're going to price it in Lamborghinis. You know what I mean? It won't be convert. Mm-hmm. It won't be convertible to a dollar. It will be convertible to eggs or something. You know what I mean? Something tangible because the idea of you selling Bitcoin for a fiat currency would be preposterous. It just won't happen in the future because people will, will recognize that that that's a, a ridiculous thing to do. And so they're saying, you know, you're going to have to start measuring it against other things. So right. I, I thought, oh, God, it'd be like okay. if we were going around trying to buy things with gold uh, coins. Which right. is technically possible, but it's not how people prefer to operate. Yeah. Right. But but they showed that, like, it, it, as an example of gold coins, they said that back in the Roman era, if you had a gold coin, that was essentially worth the price of a toga and a pair of sandals and, you know, like a, a new suit. And mm-hmm. they say today you've got a gold coin and it's essentially worth a... You know, a new suit, new shirt, tie, pair of socks, some nice dress shoes. You know, it's essentially a new suit as well. So maybe that's kind of how it winds up getting measured in the future. That's, that's uh, I've heard, I think Peter Schiff say something similar to that. Was Peter oh, Schiff Yeah. I yeah. mean, because he's Mr. Gold gold guy. He so is Mr. Gold. It might have been Peter Schiff that I heard say it. I mean, he he hates Bitcoin, but um, and they mock him. They've... Peter oh well he hates bitcoin but you know if you talk about something that much do you really hate it he's probably he's probably like jamie diamond probably has a bunch he probably <laughs> does closeted bitcoin hoarder mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he's in there putting on his favorite bitcoin feather boa and prancing around in his wife's high heels here goodbye, <laughs> goodbye horses. i saw Schiff uh speak once uh, in san francisco he's tall he's probably like six three or six four with the heels? Uh-huh. With the heels, 6'6". Six, six, I'm wow. telling you. Very sappy. It's gnarly. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, the, hey, the gold coin. Hey, that's for the show, by the way. Oh, that Pope? <laughs> nope, nope. That, can't no, touch that, this that, Pope. <laughs> no, the dis- no, the destroy. Boy, that too. But I was going to talk about the Kiss Destroyer. Oh, that's a Bags classic. Is that? Oh, that's yeah. A, that's a. I oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah, Bags is a is a genius. Well, as I, I I've got I'm having hot tea right now because I I've got my throat is is wrecked, but it's it's on a coaster. It's my abs in a six fat pack featuring Mofax, that Larry Show, and Cretched Welcome Crisis actors. I've got that Bags artwork coaster in my <laughs> podcast studio so whenever i'm drinking anything it goes on that st- so so bags is in my heart uh at all times pretty much so <laughs> yeah bags he's he's done some super phenomenal work for us uh there's been four pieces that he's done uh there's a there's a castlevania redo that he did up for us that i'm just over the moon with yeah <laughs> uh of how hard he rocked it mhm I don't have any tattoos, but the one thing I would get tattooed is he did a Ramones art for us that I would probably find a way to, oh, yeah, to incorporate into my life. They're all in front of the wall there, giving the thumbs down. Or uh, I, I, is it, it wasn't Joey, was it Marky? Giving the thumbs down to communism. <laughs> yeah, all th- yeah, all four of them were there giving the thumbs down to communism. It's beautiful. Well, they'd all be giving the thumbs up to uh, vaccines at this point. They were alive. 
if they were alive. <laughs> Big if. <laughs> yeah, but we, we, every one of them's gone and didn't leave any kids either. Her ones are an enigma. Lavish, did you catch that uh uh body count freedom of speech BTS redo that I uh that I was playing during the pre-show? Uh no, I, I think I missed it unfortunately. I'll, I'll just send it send it over to you. It's the um freedom of speech song features Jello Biafra and at the end the original version it's got him on I think maybe uh Oprah talking about the PMRC uh but I did a little mm. bit of uh audio magic on it and I've I've got it I've got it a new flavorful end for it <laughs> It's hilarious Who doesn't love a flavorful end <laughs> Really bursts with the uh, with the uh, color Mm juicy <laughs> Yeah, have you? Um, are you a Jello Biafra fan by chance, uh, Charlie? No, not not really. Oh, okay. I was gonna say I got a super classic cringe uh, vaccine clip. I I like to come back to every once in a while. Uh, but there's so many of that going on. You know these. This one, you know, how- this one's still my favorite though. It's I'll I'll share it with you later. It's inconsequential to now. We're past that. I hope. <laughs> it's just a ride uh, it's just a ride man it's just, just a ride just a ride um what i should say is we do have a voicemail line and uh we should probably get to some of those real quick oh we should we should let people know what our number is though if they have any questions for uh charlie robinson yeah uh, let's uh, call the number yeah i'm, I'm gonna do i'm gonna do the whole the whole ordeal I'm on this spectrum. What the fuck is autism? Shut him up. Start puffing, boy. Do a commercial. You're off the artistic roll call. Every word you say is suspect. You're a corporate whore. And uh, end of story. Put on your 3D glasses now. No, there's no need for that. You like Huey Lewis on the news? 612-263-7999 is that telephone number you can call and uh, call us up and leave a screen mail. You ready for that first one? Do it. Uh, <clears throat> there's my scream. I will say Steven Seagal got robbed. Charlie's right. Steven Seagal got robbed. Sean Penn, you know, it was an okay get, but, but Steven Seagal, man, he should have won that round. Joy Behar, even though it was my guy, Joy Behar was my guy, but Joy Behar should not have won that round. Um, fucking love you, Lavish. Love you, Boobs. Love you, Charlie. I almost named my, uh, well, I did, like, my my baby's name is Charlie, and uh, as much as I'd love to tell you, Charlie Robinson, that it was based off your name, it was only a little bit of that. It was mainly mainly based off Charlie Sheen because I want that kid to have tiger blood. You know, <laughs> 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 I'll, leave another, I'll leave you with another screen here, real quick. One mode, go. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you for the call, sir, sir, seat sitter. And I will say, he did have that matchup. Stacked in his favor with that basket of joy uh, bundle yeah. scam. That bundle he, of joys. Yeah, bundle of joys ripoff. No, it, it was <laughs> as rigged as the Super Bowl, frankly. Yeah, straight up. 
Uh, I think they all were, honestly. Cersei, he had it fixed from the very beginning, from the very first one. Man, we should have we should have knocked him up and flew him up on a platform in a pink suit. Yeah, uh, he would have loved that. <laughs> Wrapped him up in red leather. Mm-hmm. The uh, Grammys. Make him uh, dancing in a uh, fertility rite. Some devil dick. <laughs> devil oh, dick. Grab my pen. Sticky note. Devil. <laughs> They should just rename the town of Hollywood to Devil Dick. It would be much more honest. I, I could I could see that. You know, just an, just an idea, Hollywood. No problem. No big deal. Yeah, and then it, it would be no different than any other time that they <laughs> rubbed it in your face. I'm gonna be like, what? What are we doing? <laughs> we told you. <laughs> we, we look at the sign. Just read the sign, man. Uh, let's do another scream out. What up, what up, what up? We're just on mile 13 here, finishing up. But, uh, listening to episode 181 of Abs and a Six-Pack with uh, that Sir Sir Seat Sitter. And one of you guys, Mr. Uh, Butterfly Mothman of the mini uh, apocalyptic, uh, whatever, colon punch. But, uh, punch. Yeah, so you, got, you said something about stagehands and techies. They got up there different stagehand being like pretty much just setting up the stuff. It's all important, you know, safety and all that sort of stuff and get everything plugged in properly the first time and then the techie running it, but just figure out how to confirm. And, uh, you know, to cross promote that uh, episode 181 of uh, Flabby Abs. And, uh, uh, four loco drink. So, I love you guys. Stay dangerous. Kaka. Kaka caller. Kaka Kadid. Yeah, that guy was on a full sprint there. He's running like. a marathon? 13 miles, I think he said. Good for him. Yeah, he could, yeah, he goes out there and he gets it. And he's, he's out there smiling and waving to everybody. He, he does post photographic evidence of this. I've seen it myself. Yeah. I mean, on top of being just an absolute teddy bear, he, he really does run like every day and he always posts on it. So good for you, Christopher Battles. And uh, yeah, uh, Sir Sir Seat Sitter and I did a whole uh, deconstruction on the birds are fake and gay uh, conspiracy a, a couple of weeks ago. It was a good time. Some crazy. That, the, the, that's the one that the. Um... United Nations had a big event in the in Europe this uh, this last summer where they were ha- it was like all hands on deck. We've got to talk to all of you teachers out there. They flew in a bunch of teachers and they say we, we're having a big problem with conspiracy theorists and their um, and their beliefs are 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 infecting people's minds and we need to get out in front of this and the. And the conspiracy that they used was birds aren't real as the, uh, as the one I was like, really? That's the one you went with? Out of all, you went, birds aren't real? Like, that's kind of like, we're all, we're all fucking with you. Oh, man, that's, uh. One of the funniest, for sure. And that guy. For sure. The dude that started that is spooky as fuck, too. Um, Chris had some very phenomenal clips he had pulled. Um, so it's well worth checking out. I. Yeah, there's not a single altruistic motive behind the entirety of the movement of the birds. Or birds aren't real. It's uh, 
I think it's just like the the Q stuff that's just thrown out there for people, people that have too much of an open mind fall into the cracks, and then you have the people that have their minds too shut off and are just so completely unaware that they can just roll up into this giant pit of, of Q or this giant pit the birds aren't real and they can point and and laugh and sneer and it's it's just to make them be like oh yeah no look how look how crazy these stupid conspiracy theorists are they don't they don't even believe in birds <laughs> um it's just a giant circle jerk back and forth <laughs> mm-hmm. barely works fan- but fantastic i love it i love it it did anything that makes you know, the media's like, look, we got them now. They're oh, talking yeah. about birds aren't being real. We're like, <laughs> are we, though? Yeah. Really talking about that? Yeah. I haven't like, been talking about that too much, but okay. It's like, I don't know, it's just, it's, um, I just, I think they make it up for themselves to dunk on. Like, oh, yeah, we got them now. <laughs> yes. It's what the authors call a paper tiger. Yes. Um, I, did Christopher have a question about stagehands and technicians. Um, I don't know. I mean, he mentioned them, but I don't think he had a question. Okay. Call back if you did. Uh, let's do one more, and then we'll uh, continue on. I was doing homework. And after uh, watching behind the green door and looking at my notes, I have written, Ravishment, Muff Diving, Mandingo Warrior, Witch Doctor, Men in tights, pearl necklace. That's going to be a really hard show to beat, guys. Bowie Steed. Boosty Steed. Bowie Dame B coming in. Getting freaky. Uh, Last week we covered a classic movie called Behind the Green Door, which is a 1974 porn film. I'm familiar with it. Uh, We were not. Are I you? Mean, have I you heard, heard about it? You've heard about it. Okay, well, I heard you, about it. Yeah, you know, if you've seen it, that's fine. I've seen it, so it's okay. <laughs> I rem- I've seen the, the 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 beginning of it when it's like behind the green door. You know, like how they the old timey movies. But I yeah, I don't I don't <clears throat> I don't think I ever saw anything more than that. But I am I am aware of it. Mm-hmm. Had to talk about it. Uh, we brought it up last week, and then of course all of the music that's associated with it. Um. That one hit from 56, I believe it was. And then its association with um, speakeasies during Prohibition. Some occult undertones, to be sure. Yeah, it's this whole idea of uh, adventure and mystery lie behind the green door. And uh, there's some some supposed Air Force patches that have this behind the green door uh, phrase associated with it. Um, I'm not really... I don't know what to think about a lot of these... Uh, Special operation, army, air force, navy patch type stuff. Like uh, the ones with the um, dragons control the world. I forget the exact uh, branch it's supposed uh, supposedly from. Well, my <clears throat> the logo for my, my first book, The Octopus of Global Control, has a big round octopus on it that's kind of going over the earth. And that artwork was lifted from the National Reconnaissance Office from a NROL-39 flight launching a spy satellite. And um, instead of it saying the octopus of global control like I have, 
it and the and in the octopus being red, white, and blue, it's a yellow octopus, and it says nothing is beyond our reach. <laughs> oh well, yeah, I but got it's it. the same logo. I just stole it. I got yeah. an image of it right there. I'll share that in the chat. Definitely seen that somewhere before. Wow. In fact, John Stewart did a little clip on it on the Daily Show once. He was like, uh, "What the fuck is this?" Maybe that's where I saw it. <laughs> John Stewart would be all over it. And this is kind of a take on the the classic uh, Standard Oil octopus cartoon. Of course, way back when it is. Yep. Dirty, filthy, dirty, dirty filthy, dirty. Like uh, the Ohio River. Oh yeah. Well, do you um, lavish? Do you want to crack open this lightning round of uh, material? Well, I, I was gonna. Should we? I was. We could either do that, or we could ask him some questions concerning the book. Ooh, let's do that, uh, and then uh, we'll be at intermission. We'll do intermission, and then we'll come back to a nice lightning round. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, for anyone who doesn't know, our guest Charlie Robinson is the author of a couple of books. Uh, the first one he wrote, "The Octopus of Global Control." Is um, Stami? It's probably your your best known so far, yeah, and uh, it's a it's a really fantastic book. Um, you have spoken on the importance of truly powerful people staying anonymous, yeah. or at least out of the public eye and mind, and uh, how politicians are kind of faces that you just switch in and out to give people the illusion that they have control over over their government. Um, but with unlimited money, many seemingly impossible things become possible. And secret societies also use the anonymity, they, they utilize anonymity to change the world. Um, but with what's going on now with internet culture, where cloud is everything and it's all about followers, do you think that there's any strength at all in being anonymous or low profile uh, with your online presence? Or is that even possible with how tracked we all are now? Um, because if you get as influential as well and well known as like Alex Jones, it paints a big target on your back, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a a double edged sword. It's like on the one hand, you have to if you want to get the information out, the the you you need a a big bigger audience. But then the bigger you go, the more the more it looks like you're controlled. You know, like oh, we, how, how is he allowed to be on this show, or how is he? You know, why is he allowed to be? talking to this particular person or anything like that. So from like a content creator standpoint, you want to have the biggest profile you can because you want to get it out in front of the biggest audience. So it benefits me as an example too, uh, because the, I put the same amount of work into the book, whether a hundred people read it or a hundred thousand people read it. So you want to sort of boost that to the extent that you can. These maniacs that are running the world to them, they have no need for the money right they don't it doesn't matter to them it's not the point if they perceive it that it is in their best interest to remain in the shadows and let some um money driven or pedophilic driven politician uh do the dirty work for them as a cutout and then they dispose of them at will you know when when their job is done then then they will do that they in, in a sense, you almost have to kind of respect their ability to uh, to not have a huge ego about this and not want to be known. Like if you like if you are known, if you're 
if you're David Rockefeller, you're probably not in charge. You know, if, if everybody knows, if you're Henry Kissinger, you're not the tip of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a mid-level manager for the establishment, for, for, this, for, this, for this octopus. Now, the Rockefellers, of course, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty high up there. But, but where you really get nervous are the people that you don't know. <laughs> Those are the ones you really have to worry about because the, it's the names that don't jump out at you, like you know the Black Pope and the Gray Pope and these guys and these European banking families that nobody really that you know it's not a name that is recognizable. Those mm. people are infinitely more dangerous than David Rockefeller. Now, again, David Rockefeller is he's dead now, thank God. But um, but but and Bill Gates, Bill Gates is a good example. Bill Gates is not anywhere near the top of the pyramid here. No. But he's a brand name. He's a recognizable face, and he's a he's a gopher for power. And they've given him power, and they've given him money, and they've given him access and all these things. But, but um, you know, if you can see the head of the... If you can see the head of the snake, you can get out of the way of it. The problem is is when you can't see the head of the snake, then you don't know where it is. And... and, and so, uh, you know, I just did a, a episode not to on macroaggressions about Henry Kissinger talking about him. And that, that, that's a, that's a, a horrible human being who's coming up on his 100th birthday here in, in May. And, uh, these monsters tend to live for a long, long time, but they're not, they're not driving this whole thing. They're sort of, they're sort of, um, doing what they're told. And in exchange for that, they get the things that turn them on, which is, power and money and access and and their name you know awards being given to nobel prize uh, nobel peace prizes those things you know they give buildings these, named after them right buildings named after them uh yeah exactly uh the the, the so-and-so school at 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 some university that, that's a big that's a big deal to these guys right so they've got gigantic egos and they and they are whatever it is that they want if it's Fame and recognition, they get it. If it's little boys and keep that on the down low, like Lindsey Graham, you get it. You know what I mean? So whatever, mm-hmm. it's personalized to fit the the cutout psychopath politician that uh, that they're dealing with. You know, you got to know what makes them tick. But one thing that is a common denominator through all of this is that you have to be compromised. Just have to be. And... um because if you're compromised, then they know that they will that you have to participate in in a certain framework, and if you get outside of that, then they um, they, they get rid of you. you. Yeah, yeah, if you're Madison Cawthorn and you start talking about the Coke and Hooker parties, next thing you know, you get primaried and you're gone. And that's just what mm. you know. You talk about the stuff you're not supposed to talk about, and it's over for you. But if you play the game and you and you do what you are told to do. Then you get these worldly possessions or the the notoriety that you want um, as a reward for for doing that. But they have no real loyalty to these people. You know, a guy like Lindsey Graham will be thrown off a helicopter. You know, at some point when his mm-hmm. when he's done with his, uh, or he'll be put in a plane that's blown up or flown into a building. You know, it, it, when when you're done with your service to the cabal and that's just kind of how it goes i like that you brought up bill gates because in my opinion i think that if you are called the richest man in the world which is of course a totally bogus title 
But for years and years, they called Bill Clinton the, the world's richest man. Or not Bill Clinton, sorry. Bill Gates, the world's richest man. I feel that that's a hazing ritual or something. That's that's something that they put on you as a joke or as like a, a punishment almost. Yeah. I mean, the normies think he is the richest man in the world. They have no idea that that's, that, that's a, you know, you don't have the sort of level of wealth that these inter, intergenerational banking families have where they've got... Trillions, know, tens, maybe hundreds of trillions right. of dollars. Right, right. That's sort of treasure... Amount. You know that you know that, you know that scene in The Hobbit and Smog is sitting there on the pile of gold. <laughs> yeah, kind of like that. Right there, you go. Uh, do you associate any um, specific hypothesis behind thirty three in uh, news reports? Well, I mean, I think it's it's a it's a well known Freemason number. Um, it seems like some pretty low-level coded messages. Uh, it seems like you... Um, uh, it's so obvious, you know? It, it's so obvious that it almost feels like it can't be anything, you know? Because it's just right out in your face, and it's like, 33, really? Oh, we're talking... You know, is that are, is that like a nod to, like, we are in charge? Um, the 33 component, I, I, I think, is probably less symbolic to me but after you know having conversations with Ole Damagard, um, pictures after mass shootings showing bicycles or shoes laying around to me that's coded messages because that doesn't really come right. Nobody knows that. I mean, very few people know that stuff. But when you see that, that to me is really sending a coded message. When you say thirty three dead in a school shooting or or thirty three, you know. Um, executives at Lehman Brothers fired or 30, you know, I mean, it, some of it is, some of it, it obviously is, is, is a coded message, but it's, it's so, it's so low level, you know, that it's almost, it's almost kind of like, in, if that's the way they're communicating, it's kind of embarrassing, but uh, I, I suppose it happens. Um, and, and, and again, I'm not, I'm not a, <clears throat> it goes without saying, I'm not a Freemason, but I don't know all of the, I don't know all of the the details of what is revealed to you at the 33rd degree, Mm -hmm. but um, I think that with regard to like that Freemasonic component, you probably have like, like a, like any sort of pyramid structure. The vast majority of people are just dues paying members that aren't really down with the plan. Don't know what the program is kind of joined to be networked up. Like-minded people, or get away from their wives for a night, and to be able to go—I <clears throat> don't know—play grab ass with each other and drink, and 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 you know, get some new insurance clients for the business and do all that stuff. And then there's like a very small percentage that know what that actually means, and and who's really in charge, and and they send those messages from time to time. But I I don't put as much stock in the 33 as i think a lot of people do only because it just seems to me like it's uh it's just so on the nose you know a little corny these days a little bit now these i mean now again like pre-internet back when this information was a little when information itself was a little bit more difficult to get to i think for sure that was used but I think now with this mass media where everybody can be a publisher and that stuff can go out everywhere, it, I, it, I put, le- I just assign less value to it than, than a lot of people do. Mm, makes sense. Which of course probably makes, 
me suspicious for, for I mean, it makes people sus- suspicious of me for saying that. Oh, how come he wasn't all over that? Well, just because I don't know. I don't, I don't. I think you've explained it properly. I think yeah. that it's a, it's a perfectly reasonable, critical way to approach the, the 33 issue. Yeah. The, mean, only, the only other thing we got is. Shun the non-believer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, for me, it's a. It all ties into the sacred geometry. I feel like that's probably the the strongest link I have to anything substantial concerning thirty three or numerology yeah. in general. Usually, I, I think there's sacred geometry. I think there's probably some. I, I think there's probably more connections there. Yeah, for sure. Sacred geometry. Speaking of sacred geometry, I smoked DMT during um, my Anarchapoco trip on Friday night, and oh? I saw some sacred geometry that was indescribable i mean just just paradigm shattering you know just to to see that and and go oh my god i now i know why alex gray paints the paintings he paints i get it it all makes sense wonderful was it your first time doing that yeah uh i had done the 5meo before which is more of a slow burn you know it's a 40 minute trip and it's powder form and it's blown up your nose by a shaman and i did that couple of times and that was that was that was great and insightful and and and, and amazing but this is just a rocket ship to jupiter did uh did anybody else trip with you at the time kind of the guy i was with uh, took a couple hits but he was more supervising me okay Mm. and but he was the guy i had was the first time i ever did dmt was with him he's a crypto artist named johnny dollar and um he does all this amazing artwork that's featured at like Art Basel. And we met at, in, in Mexico to Narcopoco in 2019 and we stayed, stayed close. And then I just ran into him at Max's uh, bar and we started chatting and he said, Hey, listen, by the way, I've got this. And I was like, this is on my list. It's like the last thing on my list to cross off. And he says, well, we'll make sure we do it. You know, we'll, we'll you know, why don't we do it at the end of the week when you're, when you're done with everything and um and we get the right setting and so we went out under the beach at night right after the sun had gone down so it was nice and dark and nobody was out there and we had some towels laid down and we had just a good setup and i know him and trust him and and so the vibe was right and the timing was right and i felt good physically i was feeling better because uh, you know it was like mexico kind of puts you through the ringer of physically there were a couple nights i was just like oh i feel like i'm run down but this night i felt mm-hmm. good and uh so everything kind of lined up for that and um and we did it a, or i did it five times increasing every time and then on the fifth one he said all right on this on this ride um keep your eyes open and look at the stars when you do it. And I did that in the whole, I mean, the beach turned into a grid. I could see the grid extending up through the horizon up into the sky. The sky was a grid. I could see the stars. The stars started turning like it was one of those uh, time-lapse cameras where they, where they film like the Milky Way galaxy, you know, from some mountaintop and it like, turns over the course of like four hours you know and 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 you see that i could all that was happening in front of me and 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 the stars moved out of the way so that i could see the all the other stars that were behind it and i was just like holy moly and i just kept my eyes open 
watched that whole thing and I could see just a very faint grid underneath it all. So it was like you peeled back base layer reality and you got to like the, the, the framework of the universe and you went, Oh, this is what it's all built on top of. It was very, Oh my God, very humbling and like, you know, confusing, but you kind of go with it. And, and like I said, that was the fifth one uh, uh, over the course of two hours. And so I was a little bit more prepared to, to tackle that. And it, we just went, he just said, go, go, keep going, keep going, keep going. And he said, cause you, he said, you need to see, you need to see this. And, and he, cause he had done it plenty of times and, and, and he was right. I needed to see it. And I think I, I think, um, I think it's, you're, you're just quite, you're never really going to be the same after that. You know, I, it, I, it really opened me up to the possibility that we're inside a simulation for sure. And it mm-hmm. really, I just said, that's gotta be the only explanation is that we're in some simulation and that this is some sort of, we've looked at the code. It felt like you were seeing the code and then the code was, was responsible for the layout and the structure of where, you know, the grid pattern of where everything is going to be placed on top of this in a particular order. But you look like you were looking at a 3d rendering, like if you were building a building, but you, you didn't have the building fully built out in this 3d model. You just had the frame of the building. So you Mm. could see where it was going to go, but it wasn't fully complete. And it was, uh, God damn, it was like just difficult for your brain to kind of catch up to that. Would you uh, would you be able to describe what the colors were like? Very, <clears throat> very bright um, reds, oranges, and yellows, and you know a kaleidoscope. I'm not going to do it much good describing it because I've heard so many other people describe it, but um, kind of earthy colors, but like r- r- like red clay. Um, orange clay, yellow clay, you know, like that, that maybe like a, like a, a dark brown kind of clay like structure as if you were looking through a kaleidoscope. And I felt like I was laying, when I laid down, I felt like I was on sort of like a, a gurney that had been pushed into like a examination room of some kind. I I didn't see an examination room, but I, I had that feeling that whatever was there was examining me and was kind of going from bottom to top because it was changing. The temperature was changing almost like I got a scan. Like it started from my feet and scanned all the way up to my head, came back down, scanned the rest of it. And then I felt a really bright light on my right side, like, uh, like a spotlight. And it was very warm. I felt pressure. It was almost like someone was kind of holding like a hand down on my chest. And I got the impression that I was being healed of something, but I don't know what it was. I felt like I had been sort of brought into the auto mechanic, auto body shop, put up on one of those lifts. And like, they sort of did like a, a quick pass around me, like, like certain stop action. <clears throat> and then um after I was done with that after they were done with that I just they sort of just let me go and I and everything just kind of way fascinating 
Yeah. I, I've never, have you ever done uh, anything like acid or mushrooms? Yeah. 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 And this is just, that just blows that away. It's just, it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's just it's different. similar in that you are, you're experiencing something that is a, a foreign reality, but it's so fast that it's, tr- it's like trying to catch a fish with your hands, you know, trying to like watch everything that's going by. Everything's going by so fast. It's, it's, it's hard to, to remember it. And then of course, it's kind of like a dream where you wake up and you start to kind of talk about it or you think about it. And like, you're halfway through the explanation. You're like, what are you even talking about? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's like a a self-erasing message. Wild. I I guess just a quick piggyback on that question. Then, um, was there any sort of like vibrations that you could feel or remember feeling at the time? That that was every time it went like that. It just it just revved up, and you're like, "Oh shit, man! Here it comes, man! It's just revving, and you just feel like." And then it was like, boom, and it was on. As soon as you felt that, heard that, that that choppy revving in stereo, it, you know, it, 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 it just kind of revved. And then you, you felt like it was like, it, it just slingshotted you out. You know, as soon as you felt that, then you were like, okay, here it comes. Boom. And then it was on. And it was like, a, a you know, in some cases it felt like a roller coaster, but, but, but you, there was no sense of motion really. It just felt like everything all of a sudden started happening at once. I did not have any interactions with entities. I did not have machine elves. I did not get the gears of the universe. I didn't get those things, but I got, I got grids. I got geometric shapes. I got earthy patterns. I got healing. Uh, I got a, a, a feeling of something examining me, but I didn't, there was no being of, of any kind. I, I, I just felt like I got brought into the shop for a, for a checkup or something. It was, uh, and, and it was pretty, <clears throat> it was pretty consistent too. So it was like a time we did it one after another, after another, and we took a break in between and I, and I would talk to him about it and, 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 um, and, and that, yeah. So that was kind of, you know, I was looking, I was looking for machine elves I was open to it. I was down for it, you know, but you I had just some didn't preconceived get it. notions. It it, yeah. it is interesting that you you say that you didn't have any encounters with any sort of entities from what you could tell, yet you were in the shop to get this tune up. So would you describe I, I guess the, the closest equivalent to the the work being done on you was that I guess quote unquote computer driven? Yeah. Well, so it, Okay. If you watch a car getting painted, you know that robotic arm that sort of mm-hmm. will like spray the paint and it'll go all the way around the car and that car is in that little that little you know parking space that where everything's draped it's closed off it's just the car and this paint and the you know it's important nobody's in there. I got that feeling. I never saw an arm of any kind like that, but it felt like I'll, I'll tell you what it felt like. It felt like a pit crew at the Indy 500 mm-hmm. where you pull in real fast and then everybody just goes, you know, changes your tires real quick. Boom, boom, boom. And it's, it's choreographed and it's quick. And it was on both sides of me and that yellow, that bright kind of yellow light that was on the right side of me. 
was was that that sort of came in and i don't know what was going on with that but it i i felt it i physically felt it i was like oh my god i'm so much warmer i'm glad actually glad because i get cold really easily because i'm old and skinny and i bald head and shit so like i'm always kind of cold and it was i was like oh it's kind of nice to have this like warm feeling over me almost like if you were put into like a really warm bath and um but it i kind of felt like a pit crew was sort of coming in real quick to just change out the tires and uh you know wipe the windshield you know like they do during nascar Mm-hmm. races and things like that and then they dropped the the jack and boom i was out you know? <laughs> and then i was into the i was into the oh i hope that's what my first dmt trip is like <laughs> by the way you're definitely selling us on anarchapulco i just want you to know that yeah i mean this is you know it it is it's, I mean, it, like, it's the only place where these sort of, like, things happen in my world. You know, I, I'm not gonna, I don't know anybody. I don't know, I don't know anybody to make something like that happen here at home. Um, and frankly, I don't know if I would be in the frame of mind here. You know, but when you go down there, you're sort of open, you're ready to hear about new things that you've never heard of, you're ready to educate yourself, you're ready to... You know, there's a huge health and wellness component to Anarchapulco, and I would suggest that this is part of health and wellness, too. I know some people would say, oh, my God, this sounds like it's drugs, man. You know, it's no good. Drugs are bad, man. But, like, this is not a party. You know, this is you, – you, you don't do this and go to Coachella. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you do, you're a fucking moron. Right? <laughs> you're a dumbass. <laughs> this isn't, this isn't Anarchapalooza. No. No, this is – this is get your shit together. Work on yourself. You know, uh, there, there's, there, you know, there, there, you know, there's, there's a, there's a bowl filled with joints wherever, pretty much wherever I went. And, and so that's clearly available, but I live in Denver oh, and yeah. that's, it's legal too. So I was like, it's, that's not a big deal to me. I don't really, in fact, I don't, I didn't smoke anything while I was there except for the DMT. So I, it wasn't that it was just that when you're in the right frame of mind, where you're there to get educated and improve and learn something about yourself, then you're in a position where maybe plant medicine is good for you. I've done ayahuasca there before I've done, I've done peyote there before with shaman. And, um, and if I'd stayed a couple days later, there was a three day ayahuasca ceremony going on with a, with the shaman there. I met the shaman. He's like, a, he looked like a middle linebacker. I mean, he was just giant and fucking <laughs> jacked. And he wore these robes around. He had no shirt on. He had like half his chest was this crazy tattoo. And he had these big robe, shaved head, giant beard. His name was Bearheart. And you'd talk to him and he's, he's just like, oh my God, man, you're like the cool, you're like a, like a whole vibe you know <laughs> just looking at that guy he's just like so cool so there's a lot of unusual stuff happening there and and most of it is really good there's there's no fights or issues or drama and all that stuff sort of got you know people are like left that stuff at home and came down there to 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 work on something good so i i i really just 
I can't say enough about it. I feel like I sound like a sound like a, a, a commercial for it. I realize, but like, sounds it's, wonderful, it's unusual. It is. It is. It's wonderful. It's just a wonderful time. And and if it were all year round, you know, it, the novelty would wear off, of course. But when you condense it down into a couple of days, it's like. Um, you, you by the by the by the end you get very comfortable you've seen the same people all week long hey man what's going on oh good to see you or or you know you know i had people coming i had the craziest thing i had people coming up to me saying i recognize your voice from macroaggressions but i didn't know what you look like <laughs> you know <laughs> nice so that was that was kind of fun and 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 uh, i mean i was flattered of course but it was also kind of i don't know it was kind of like it was almost like a a little like marketing session where i like realized like okay well like people are listening to the show that's kind of neat you know so uh, i i just i enjoyed it you guys i'll see you there next year oh yeah most definitely challenge accepted it's gonna happen i've been in mexico a number of times and i love mexico and i don't like i mean i know it's you know got a bad reputation and all but it's a gorgeous it's gorgeous country it's a large country uh filled with all kinds of wonderful things i love mexico so much that I'm going back in two days, actually, with my family. Really? A, a, a trip that we had scheduled. So I just got back, and now I'm a couple of days at home, and now I'm heading back to Mexico Jeez. for a week. So Drink yeah. some water. I know. I'm going to have a tan, though. Be nice. Yeah. It's hard to get that in Denver, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> well, we should uh, we should get to the point where we should we can get this guy some water here. Well, let's uh we got some booster grams lavish. I want to catch up on here real quick if that's all right with y'all. Spit them out. Uh we got 99.99 from Pyrancy uh through Fountain. Um and then 66.66 from NA Millennial also through Fountain. Uh the 66666 is booster goat. And then if you feel ashamed, you can always Put the goat back together. We'll stitch it up there for you. Uh, but Nam said, sorry, I could be sitting behind the green door with you all tonight, prepping for a job interview tomorrow, uh, hoping to slaughter it like a goat. Had a boy. Yeah. Karma to your, uh, to your job interview. Yeah, get it. Kill it. <laughs> slaughter it. Uh, then we got 1170 from Bully Seed, also through Fountain. Holy shit, Fountain coming through strong tonight. Uh, and Bully Seed says BTS welcomes Charlie. We heard we heard from Bully Seed earlier on the voicemail. Uh, I think we did. We got ninety nine ninety nine from Make Heroism, also through Fountain. Just Fountain, Fountain, Fountain. What's going on here? <laughs> Fountain's hot right now. It's real strong. Yeah, Fountain's uh, cool. They've introduced this uh, sort of activity feed for these boostograms, <laughs> and people can comment boost those inside of the app and uh once fountain gets this live tag going i.e they can actually stream live audio in app i i think uh i think fountain's gonna get off the rails it'll be cool uh we got 2874 from bully steed saying welcome to moan days uh a, a sack of 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 dicks one two three four five eleven thousand one hundred and eleven from dag and uh, he actually had a couple of ISAs that he sent in via via zip file, like oh, thank like, you, like uh, this one. Start puffing, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love cigarettes. <laughs> Thanks, Dag. Yeah, and then uh, the last one seems to be a hundred sats from the dude, and he's boosting the stale while 
ab- uh, album. All right. Thank you, the dude. And thanks to everyone. And also thanks to Servo, who just put a good back together via Podverse 9999, saying, fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. <laughs> uh, Servo's feeling altruistic. He wants to, to make sure that there's plenty of goats left over. Usually we'll just send them to the back of the line. Get yeah. It, get it out. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, it is inter- intermission time. Yes? Let's do it. Yeah. So we'll be right back after a 12-minute intermission. Uh, maybe get a few more questions in, if you don't mind. Oh, uh, he's... Oh, there we go. Yeah. For me. Sounds All good. All right. Here we go. This is a Super Bowl special, by the way. Ooh, can't wait. I walked through Washington, D.C. Square, and on a park bench, an old man was sitting there. I said, your old Capitol Hill's kind of run down. He said, nah, it'll do for our shitty town. I said, your old flagpole's leaning a little bit, and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our shitty town? I said, I think it is. And he said, oh, I don't like to brag, but we like to exploit that ragged old flag. You see, we got a stain in that flag there when Washington came on a Freemason square. It got powder burned the night Francis Scott Key watched us bomb each other, writing Say Can You See. It got a rip in a dozen wars, with America knocking on foreign doors. And it almost fell at the Alamo, when we took all that land from Mexico. She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville, and she got cut again at Shiloh Hill. There was Robert E. Lee and Beauregard and Bragg, who ordered countless to die for that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, when we shredded up children with the Bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II, and the bankers had choked the world till it was blue. Boys were ordered to die in Korea and Vietnam for no reason at all by Uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her good old land, she's been abused by politicians, generals, Catholics, Jews. And the government for which she stands is now a whore who spreads her meaty claims. She sucks a good dick, she eats a good ass, and she offers her stuff to all who pass. She'll fuck you like she has before for hundreds of years, and you best believe that there's more. So, we raise her up every morning, 
and we bring her down slow every night. We don't let her touch the ground and we fold her upright. The country is great and the bankers are fags. I'm mighty proud of that ragged old flag.
that body Oh, oh, and you're I Don't I vouch you that I know that you Your tongue is twist And Ooh, we you are body honey Oh, oh, and more Calvin, you son of a bitch. Nice try with that sniper. Yeah, you took out one of my coffee boys. You guys, I read about a new COVID variant that is some people worried. It's called XBB.1.5. I guess they couldn't think of a catchier name. And it actually inspired me to write a tiny song. There was Alpha, then Delta, then Omicron X. But this latest variant might be the best. It's XBB.1.5. Another brand of COVID-19 has arrived. It's a new strain, but it isn't the same. Sounds more like Elon Musk's name. It's XBB.1.5. Not UB40 who sings red, red wine. Put on your mask when you're inside a facility. It could be a robot from a Star Wars trilogy. It's XBB.1.5. Not OMG or MP3 or TCBY. Or an eye chart made by a really high guy. Sounds like the password of your parents' Wi-Fi. Westinghouse and good old GE. They own networks from CBS to CNBC. They can use them to say whatever they please and put down the opinions of anyone who disagrees. Or stuff about PCBs. What are PCBs? They come from electric power plants built by Westinghouse and GE. They can give you lots of cancer that can hurt your body. But on network TV, you rarely hear anything bad about the nuclear industry. Like when Westinghouse was sued for fraud. Which time? When GE made defective bolts, it was an unreported crime. Or when it was boycotted for operating nuclear bomb plants just to squeeze a dime. That's a footnote, by the way. A footnote protects you from folks who doubt what you say. Now maybe the voices in my head will go away But the big shots don't care They're all sitting pretty thanks to corporate welfare What's that now? They get billions in subsidies from the government It's supposed to create jobs, but that's not how it's spent They use tax and soft money to support congressmen Who will over weapons programs again and again And let them dump toxic waste where the young ones play he made the bullets that shot JFK. You can drink 
Welcome back to second, second half of show for Behind the Schemes, episode 139. Yes, indeed. It is February 13th, 2023. It's a Monday. It's about 9.15 p.m. here on the bereft coast, which means it's about 11.15 over there at the central, 12.15 or midnight 15 on the east coast. Yeah, it's midnight in somebody's sewer tonight. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We're streaming on The Scaly Show, and we're also streaming live on the No Agenda stream, which we do every Monday night, as starting at around 7 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Central, 10 o'clock Eastern. Or 8 o'clock Mountain Time. Or 8 o'clock Mountain Time, or, <laughs> let me think about this now for a second, uh, 4 o'clock Hawaiian Time, depending on daylight savings. I might, uh, I, sh- I should figure out what the math is for Tokyo Time. <laughs> Tokyo! Start, start including them in. Yes, Tokyo, such a massive part of our audience. Absolutely. We should, we should do United uh, Arab Emirates time. Oh, yeah. I, I think uh, this is the perfect opportunity for uh, multiple avenues of inclusion. Indeed. And uh, it is 139, I believe, uh, episode 139. Yes, that and, is true. And uh, we are joined by uh, Charlie Robinson, author and uh, podcaster. That's correct. I, my show was number one in Angola, Africa. Hell really? yeah. Slaying it. So all Excellent. you listening in Angola, like, get your sats ready, goddammit. What is the, uh, it's macroaggressions, and you can, uh, is that found over at the, uh, the octopus of globalcontrol.com? You can find information on about, about it there, yes. Uh, working on a new website right now. Tony Merkel's building it out, so we'll almost be done with that but yeah you can go over to the website the octopus of global control.com find all kinds of uh information about the books and i don't know the shows we just got off the union of the unwanted with midnight mike earlier tonight we do that twice a month and that's always a always a good roundtable discussion talking about crazy things and today was no different with the uh train derailments and UFO balloons and all kinds of crazy stuff. You know how it goes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Big fan of that Midnight Mike. What does it really mean to be punk? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I do see that uh, Macroaggressions is boostable, and I've tried it before. Um, but uh, if you're interested at a later time... Uh-oh, Pizarro's in the house. <laughs> There's a there's a slaughter I think about Pizza that. Is com- he's coming. He's here. These gods. These goods don't even know what hit him. There was a couple of tarts laid out, but uh, at this point, everything's just so glued together. 
Better rev up the gazoo. <laughs> okay. Like I was back in Nam. <laughs> Sorry, we uh we do start the show off with the trigger warning, so we we do have our uh, assets covered, as they say. <laughs> Indeed, we come with a with a warning beforehand, so don't don't uh, call us unless you want to call us six one two two six three seven nine nine nine. And by the way, that was Pizar coming in with thirteen goats. That's thirteen. 6666s. And he says, Ola from Angola. There you go. <laughs> oh, man. Charlie without a poncho, too. Damn. Yeah. You know, sorry about that. Just covered in innards. Entrails. Entrails. Yes. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what the kids call it these days. <laughs> it's good for you. It's safe and effective. It expands your biome. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Well, that's if there's one thing about my biome that I know is that it needs some expanding and tight as hell. Well, many such cases. TSA wanted to expand my biome. <laughs> on my way back from Mexico, they thought I was smuggling something. Just We're wait on. till I come back on Sunday and they go, you've been twice in two weeks. You definitely have a kilo of heroin shipped up your ass. You're going to need to come with us, uh, sir. <clears throat> Hey, boys, remember me? <laughs> it ain't gay if it's TSA. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> oh, man. You should have that as a patch. Absolutely. Uh, I do want to quick say that this is a value-for-value value production, meaning that everything that we produce, we put on the internet, uh, totally accessible at any time, anywhere uh, that you want to get us at. Most importantly, you can check us out at badradio.live. Uh, we got a couple of ways that you can reach out and support us, whether it be through sending emails uh, with clips to music, to ISOs, uh, monetary donations, artwork, boostograms, voicemails. All of it goes towards making this the sort of public radio that you want to hear. And we did have two PayPal donations coming in from the same person, Coffee Von Dustbubble, each for uh, $3.33 for, for a satiny total of $6. 66 cents oh what could it mean and then uh of course uh we had a debut a new make heroism intro track thank you thank you again for those make heroism uh, as always make heroism uh who also uh, runs the t-shirt the, uh, store the, the bts shop yeah 
Yeah, you can get jackets and shirts and and stickers and all kinds of things. And uh, he did post something about uh, there's specific designs on sale, fifteen dollars. Um, oh yeah, you want to hop on that when you can. So that's behindtheschemes.threadless.com. And uh, Dag also, thank you again for those ISOs that you sent in. And uh, Christopher Battles also had another uh, suggestion. Goat sacrifices. It's been a long time. <laughs> no, it nice. hasn't. It's not been it a long time. That's a lie. <laughs> it's been maybe four minutes. <laughs> Fuck. Um... <laughs> The uh, yeah, so if you want to get in on this action, uh, again, consider uh, sending back whatever value that you found in us, and it will be a party. And um, want to do a quick voicemail? We'll get back into asking Charlie some questions. How's that sound? Sounds bueno. All right, let's do this one. It's shorty. Hi, boo boo. Hi, Yogi. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because! <laughs> ah, one of the oldest in the book, they say. <laughs> you can't fool me that easy. <laughs> Pretty sure that joke was written in clay tablets. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Code in clay. Code in clay. What could color mean? Classic. A classic. A classic. A classic. A collar. Lovely. Gorgeous. Thank you. Uh, if anybody else wants to give us a call, feel free at uh, 612-263-7999. Yeah, give us a shout. Uh, shall we spring this lightning round finally? Is it time? Surely. I oh. think it's time for a lightning round. I love it. Do uh, you want to announce it off with some reverb? Yes. The lightning round. Charlie, we have prepared for you a series of clips, all pulled from a tale as old as time, uh, a little book you may have heard of called The Art of War. Are you familiar with with said book? I am. I've read the book. The old Sun Tzu Art of War. We have prepare, uh, prepared um, a, a collection of uh, LibriVox recordings of specific passages uh, from the Art of War, and we're going to play them. And we're just uh, we're curious on what your um, how would you describe it, lavish? Like your uh, just uh, how how you think that they apply today? We're talking about a book that was written. Hundreds of years ago, hundreds right. and hundreds of years ago. Uh, so just see see what you think if there is any correlation at all with okay. what's going on today. Yeah, and uh, I'll start this off lavish if that's all right. Go for it. And here's the first one: All warfare is based on deception. <laughs> what could it mean? <laughs> uh, I would. Is this true or false? Uh, because. <laughs> <laughs> Yes or no? <laughs> yes or no? Yes. Yes or yes. True. <laughs> yes, it is true. All warfare is based on deception. Yeah, and especially these days too. Yeah, I mean all every, all of our news is deception. 
And I would say that, you know, not to go to Alex Jones on you, but there is an information war. And and the way they are waging this battle is is quite obviously through deception. You know? It's it's just it's what is the degree of deception? You know, it's uh since the Smith Modernization Act of 2012, they legalized propaganda to be used inside America on American citizens. So the information sausage that you consume on your nightly news is filled with lies. It's just a, it's just how much, what's the percentage of it? You know, it's in there. It's all blended up. It's legal there. They legalized it. Not to say they weren't doing it before 2012, but they, they legalized it in 2013 <clears throat> through the national defense authorization act that they crammed that, that horseshit legislation into, and they made it legal to lie to you. So, so the question is, if the media is employing deception, which they are, who's the enemy? And I, I guess it makes it us. <laughs> I guess right? we're it, yeah. We're the enemy. So we're enemy combatants on the battlefield, thanks to the Patriot Act. And if you're an enemy combatant and you can use psychological warfare, such as deceptive lies then um, they are treating us no differently than they were treating the Taliban or, or whoever in, you know, in the other bullshit wars that they, the overt occupational wars that they fight. This is just a different version of it. So yeah, yeah, of course, that's a, that's a true statement and it's never been more true than right now. Yeah. Sun Tzu was totally tied in or tapped into the info war. Yeah, he was. Basically he wrote was. the book on it. <laughs> it indeed. Uh, China's we, definitely using it. Which one do you uh, want to hit here, Lavish? Oh, anyone will do. Oh, uh, well, let's continue the thread then. There is no instance of a country having benefited from prolonged warfare. It is only one who is thoroughly acquainted with the evils of war that can thoroughly understand the profitable way of carrying it on. Yeah, prolonged war. Well, I guess it depends. Are we talk if we're talking about um an outright overt war, I would say that the nations don't benefit from it. But the bankers do. Because all wars are banker wars. Yeah, the investors you, win. Yeah. Yeah. You get to redraw the map, you get to reestablish norms shuffle the deck on who's who's in power you get a lot you've get access to riches from countries that you've plundered you get uh, the country that wins is in debt because they had to finance this war and they owe you money so the nations don't benefit from prolonged war but the banks do and the banks are the most dangerous component on this planet they, when I wrote the octopus of global control, you know, talk about the eight tentacles, banking being one of them and military being another. And I think the assumption is that the military arm is the most dangerous. And 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 of course, it's it's not to be taken lightly. There's it's it's the it's what brings you the the war uh, in the end. But none of this happens without the banks, and they allow the armies to be built, the tanks to be constructed the conquest to happen and they benefit from it but but even 
I would say even the bankers don't benefit from a a, a, a never-ending war. It, there has to be some sort of time limit on it because at some point they need to start getting paid for their investment, and they see war as an investment, and it and it takes a, a real a real degenerate, a real psychopath to to view war like that. But uh, but uh, that is. Most definitely, what has been made to happen in in this world, if we're looking back on the on the recent wars, I'm not going to go back into like the Roman emperor Roman times, but uh, but well, maybe I will just for a second and to say that that if you expand your empire too far, too long for you know, or too quickly, then you you lose control of the appendages of it. And in the end, it, if you you take your eyes off the prize, uh, which is making sure that your home country is safe and well run. And when you do that, then, um, you know, in, in the interest of expanding wars and empire conquest, then you, a lot of times you forget what's, what's going on back home and your home starts to rot and, uh, the core collapses and you degenerate into, um, you know, bread and circuses. You get, you get to that point and then the empire falls apart. So, yeah, at some point you need to pull back from the war um, if you want to have a sustainable civilization. But uh, it's all—it's tough. It's like it's like what we were talking about earlier with telling these lunatic uh, politician rulers to stop with the printing press. They just can't once they get a taste of it and they see how transformative that technology is, be it a printing press or the ability to start war. They they get addicted to it and they don't want to give it up until it's too late. I do like the idea that uh, a lot of the machinations of the global control is just really the, the printer <laughs> just exponentially <Right>. grown. <laughs> it's, it's all it's been is just a printer and been able to manufacture everything uh, using that I mean, shit. Trying to print uh, 3D human meat for for uh, combating climate change. I was getting ready to pull some videos and clips on that, but uh, ran out of time. <laughs> Um, God. well, speaking of, uh, speaking of, uh, victory on the battlefield, uh, this is my next one. The general who is skilled in defense hides in the most secret recesses of the earth. He who is skilled in attack flashes forth from the topmost heights of heaven. Thus, on the one hand, we have ability to protect ourselves. On the other, a victory that is complete. To see victory only when it is within the ken of the common herd is not the acme of excellence. Neither is it the acme of excellence if you fight and conquer, and the whole empire says, Well done! To lift an autumn hair is no sign of great strength. To see the sun and moon is no sign of sharp sight. To hear the noise of thunder is no sign of a quick ear. What the ancients called a clever fighter is one who not only wins, but excels in winning with ease. Hence, his victories bring him neither reputation for wisdom nor credit for courage. He wins his battles by making no mistakes. Making no mistakes is what establishes the certainty of victory, for it means conquering an enemy that is already defeated. Hence, the skillful fighter puts himself into a position which makes defeat impossible and does not miss the moment for defeating the enemy. Thus it is that in war the victorious strategist only seeks battle after the victory has been won, whereas he who is destined to defeat first fights and afterwards looks for victory. This is like a football metaphor, frankly. 
I mean, it's like who has it, the better game plan? You know, don't don't uh, don't attack where your enemy is strong. You know, be strategic about it. If you're if you're strategic, then you have the you have it won in advance um, before it even before you even start. That takes a lot of discipline, though. And I think that we're in a world now where you have undisciplined leaders that uh, attack when, not when the timing is right, but when the political pressure is right. They attack when when it's convenient. Attack when it's convenient. Attack when somebody wants you to. Attack when you have to. Attack because you're about to get voted out of office and you um, will do anything to stay in office and you know that war is a good distraction, so we're going to attack now. That's a recipe for disaster, I think, is what they're saying there. And, and, and But those that are patient and and really think it out and aren't aren't coerced into adjusting their timeline for some artificial reason, but that they... they have a plan, have a strategy to to what they're doing, and stick with it. Those are the ones that are successful. And of course, like they mentioned in there, you can't make mistakes. But part of the mistake is is recognizing when the timing is right, when the timing is wrong. A prime example of this would be um, Hitler invading Russia in Operation Barbarossa and going mm. towards Stalingrad and getting and getting distracted with Stalingrad when he should have gone south and attacked the oil fields of Baku in Azerbaijan. He strategically blundered on that because he could have cut off a supply line that the Russians needed, but he didn't do it because he was so ambitious. He wanted the ego of, um, of taking down uh, Stalingrad even though he walked into a, a fight in the middle of a Russian winter, which was a catastrophic blunder, and in the end cost him uh, the war, you know? Uh, so, yeah, if you can check your ego and be strategic about it, you should be able to win these wars. Unless unless you're America going into Vietnam or Afghanistan against uh, farmers with with sandals on, then you you go in there with your full arrogance and get your asses handed to you over years because you you brought the wrong style of battle to the to the battlefield. That's uh, that's what we've been doing for the last fifty years. Like the uh, <clears throat> the idea of strategy. I was I was thinking of uh, Vicksburg. I was thinking of the Civil War mm. and how when Grant. Um, got below Vicksburg and cut off, he was cut off from his supply lines. He's basically living on forage. And instead of attacking Vicksburg immediately, he went right and he attacked uh, a town that was supplying it and he cut off communications with them. And it took a little while longer, but the siege was much more efficient. And I'm just thinking that's what Hitler should have done in that situation. Uh, yeah. Well, you know how the, the classic phrase goes, you should never rip meth and strategize. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> not gonna, not gonna end well. You're gonna end up in Russia in the winter. Uh. Yeah, because tweakers love walking to Russia in the winter. You know. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. Uh, which one are you feeling next, Lavish? You got a preference? Uh, no, no. Either one is fine. All right. This is uh, break their resistance. 
Sun Tzu said, "In the practical art of war, the best thing of all is to take the enemy's country whole and intact. To shatter and destroy it is not so good. So too, it is better to recapture an army entire than to destroy it. To capture a regiment, a detachment, or a company entire than to destroy them." Hence, to fight and conquer in all your battles is not supreme excellence. Supreme excellence consists in breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. Yeah,、um, I would agree. I would agree with that. I mean, listen, this is a guy that knew what he was talking about. Clearly,、uh, you, you, if if you can, if you have the ability to capture your enemy as opposed to、uh, just slaughtering them. You well, there there is a downside to that, and that is that you have to feed them, you have to take care of them, you have to not,、uh, you know, otherwise you might as well just shoot them. But but if you're if you're taking over a regiment of of enemy troops, then that would be beneficial without getting your own、uh, supplies destroyed, your own troops killed. But I would say my. Caveat to that would be only if you have a well-oiled supply chain that can support that. Otherwise, you're going to be taking care of a bunch of starving people that are going to become increasingly desperate, and that will dr- drive morale down. But、um, look, I mean, getting captured as opposed to getting shot on the battlefield, I would I would suggest is probably. Better way to go because at least there's a chance you're going to get out of that one. Yeah, I guess it just really depends on who、uh, who the captor ends up being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. If 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 you're getting captured captive by,、uh, look, if you're the back to World War II, if you're the Nazis and you've gone ravaging around doing some unspeakable things, especially to the to the Soviets, and then the war turns. And then the Soviets come after you, and then you get captured. You probably are better off dead because、mm-hmm. you're going. You're about to be either、uh, embarking on unspeakable horrors. You're about to get sent to the salt mines of 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 Eastern Russia, where you will never come back from, or you're going to be, you know, banished to Siberia, where you'll be turned into a popsicle. So. There are some downsides to that, but overall, yeah, capturing the—I mean, we actually have have been hearing about this lately with regard to the Ukraine situation because、uh, reading about Putin's desire to not—you know, like he could carpet bomb Kiev if he wanted to, but there's a problem with that. One is,、uh, you know, if if the if the plan is that you're actually going to take over that place. Then everything that you blow up, you're going to have to rebuild, and you probably don't want to do that. And not to mention, if you just indiscriminately start murdering people, you're not going to have the. It's going to be impossible to man manage the people that you capture because they're just going to be ready to、uh, do anything they can to to fight you. But if you were to encircle that city and 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 take it over. Without having to fire too many shots, then theoretically those people could be incorporated into your into your army,、uh, or at the very least, the infrastructure would would be there already, and you wouldn't have to rebuild anything. So, from from a strategic standpoint, it would make more sense. Now, if you're if you're simply looking for revenge, then that's a different story. 
then you then you carpet bomb it and it doesn't matter but but if you're if you're trying to be if you're trying to do more with less than encircling it and cutting off supply lines until people surrender would probably be the best strategy long term agreed it's all about uh, winning hearts and minds these days (laughs) yeah it's optics too it's it, it looks bad if you know you when you every town you leave there's just a string of people hanging from bridges like that's bad that's that sends a i mean it sends a it sends a message but it, <laughs> it, it might not send the message that we don't you know like we can work with you it doesn't necessarily scream mr rogers neighborhood no it does not and it doesn't inspire which is no, what, it doesn't. the the true way to have someone captive is to you know make them think that they aren't a slave right for sure well, this uh, I think this one leads uh, quite well into uh, imposing will. Therefore, the clever combatant imposes his will on the enemy, but does not allow the enemy's will to be imposed on him. Easier said than done, but yeah, for sure, if you can do that. <laughs> Most definitely. Yeah. I mean, because the enemy is trying to impose their will on you. Well, maybe they're not, but theoretically, they're, they're, you're trying to impose your will on them, and they're trying to impose their will on you. Well, now There's that seems to be to... the whole war is, is yeah. the, uh, the war of attention and the war of ideology and getting people to th- everybody to think a certain way, one world government, new world order type of thing. Yeah. And a lot of this I'm putting in, like I'm thinking of like physical warfare, but, but again, like you mentioned, it's, it, it's, it could be ideological warfare too, and like a less overt physical type of battle and more of a, be a spiritual battle or a or a uh, uh a brand of government like we're socialists and you're communists or you're 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 you know capitalists and we're gonna fight and everything some 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 sometimes you just can't impose your will on other people i mean it's, we so, so we were listening to the clip earlier about the prolonged warfare and while we haven't been necessarily in constant uh physical conflicts for the past hundred years. Um, the information war has not stopped. Uh, it's just been one scheme right into another scheme, uh, left, right, left, right, left, right, back and forth. Um, so I think in that regards, the wheels start to feel like they're coming off a little bit. Um, just because the, 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 the clown show just gets so bombastic that they can't, afford to produce it anymore they get PETA coming in after the elephants it's just it's a shit show <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a war of attention there are no nations to you can't go to war with other nations anymore in a traditional sense um but you can go to war for people's attention and they totally blew it during covid when they had all of the talking heads at home on their laptops it blew the Looking like shit by the way yeah Blew it right out of the water. Magic's gone. You fucking ruined it. So, since you're you're mentioning the clown show, it's too <clears throat> too hard for them to keep this going. It, it takes me back to this Frank Zappa quote: "The illusion of freedom will continue as long as it's profitable to continue the illusion. At the point where the illusion becomes too expensive to maintain, they will just take down the scenery." They will pull back the curtains. They will move the tables and chairs out of the way, and you will see the brick wall at the back of the theater. That's basically how Pippin the musical ends. 
<laughs> fly out the curtains, scenic pieces move out to the side, stagehands sweep the stage, lights turn off, boom, boom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Show's over, Power folks. Time. Show's over. You know, and and so many people that we interact with, you know, out there in the world on a daily basis, they don't even know that they're at a show. You know, they don't even, they don't, they don't know. They, they don't they think it's all real. They don't even know that they're players in the show. Right. You have a part. You are performing. <laughs> just you a are, ride. You're cast. It's just a ride. <laughs> and you're not aware. The Terrence McKenna quote that I love, he says, uh, uh, if you don't have a if you don't have a plan, you become part of somebody else's plan. Ooh, mm. give you a bell for that one. Hell yeah. Um, Lavish has one here called Spies, which uh, I guess is kind of a hot topic with all the balloon shenanigans as of late. Yeah, indeed. Knowledge of the enemy's dispositions can only be obtained from other men. Hence, the use of spies of whom there are five classes. One, local spies. Two, inward spies. Three, converted spies. Four, doomed spies. Five, surviving spies. When these five kinds of spy are all at work, none can discover the secret system. This is called divine manipulation of the threads. It is the sovereign's most precious faculty. Having local spies means employing the services of the inhabitants of a district. Having inward spies, making use of officials of the enemy. Having converted spies, getting hold of the enemy's spies and using them for our own purposes. Having doomed spies, doing certain things openly for purposes of deception and allowing our spies to know of them and report them to the enemy. Surviving spies, finally, are those who bring back news from the enemy's camp. Hence it is that which, none in the whole army are more intimate relations to be maintained than with spies. None should be more liberally rewarded. In no other business should greater secrecy be preserved. Ooh, gives me chills. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I like especially how they say that no, no entity should be rewarded more than spies and and it's the reason why spies are shot on sight a lot of times you know it's it's it you know when you catch one of them if you can't flip them then they put them through the ringer um, you gotta get rid of them yeah remember when saddam hussein had that big conference where he he had all of his generals in there and he said there are spies among us and he started reading out names and they mm-hmm. were standing up, and the secret police were coming down the aisles and grab. He was reading names one by one, and they were dragging them out. That had a chilling effect on people, whether they were spies or not. It 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 created a paranoia, and uh, it was the first televised uh, coup yeah. in a way, or the uh, the first televised uh, di- dictatorial overthrow. It was wild, man. You and. and what about and and in modern times? What about a couple months ago when Xi had that guy removed? Right? Yes, sitting uh, right yeah. next Former to him. head. Yeah, yeah. And right the guy's in look, front of everybody. In front of everybody, and he's you know that is a that is a message. Yeah, a message that you send. Um, that's some death of Stalin type type shit. There, some uh, that's some, some airbrushing out your dead generals. Some barrier action. 
We had a uh, piece of show art a couple weeks back of Zelensky in this commercial where he guns down uh, his Congress with a or his house with a uh, couple pair, of Uzis. Couple of Uzis. The camera <laughs> just pans mows around. down his whole, uh, cabinet. His whole <laughs> cabinet and everybody. Like, wow! Why didn't we see this before? <laughs> That's funny. And political ad of some capacity. I'll uh, dig it up and shoot it off towards you. <laughs> so the true motivation behind every great Eastern European leader, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> Cocaine and Uzis. <laughs> exactly. Who could blame him? It's spice of life. Where <laughs> um, is hell, man? Sometimes you got a party. <laughs> Especially when you cause the war. Right. I mean, yeah. There's that. Well, I think, um, Lavish, that was year three, and uh, I got the, the ones that I wanted to get in, so that wraps us on the <laughs> lightning round of uh, The Art of War. Thank you for playing along, Charlie. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. I got a couple minutes left, but I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta oh. sign off here pretty pretty soon. But uh, No worries. We'll, uh, we'll let you go here then. Um, we got a couple of uh, boostergrams, I think some other... Uh, house housekeeping type stuff to to get through but um we'll wrap it here for tonight yeah. if that works for you it does and i appreciate you guys having me on you know this is just oh it's it's great to uh it's great to talk to you guys obviously before we were we were so focused on on my i'm so i was so focused on my douchebags that i didn't really get to chit chat too much with you guys we you had know, a game to, we all had a game to well, win. trust me we all were strapping down for that one <laughs> We had our game phase. I just didn't get a chance to really do too much, uh, you know, talking. And now I feel like we got that, we got that sort of taken care of, which was a lot of fun. Yeah, the DMT story was uh, hella cool. I, I really do appreciate you sharing yeah. that with us. That's oh, uh, thanks. Uh, yeah, that's, it's uh, it's one of those things. I will, um, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a expensive car, and I don't wear jewelry. I don't have like a big watch or anything like that but i i will invest in uh experiences mm. you know, I, I, that's fine also. with me and 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 to have that and to to have an experience that even like while you're in it you know i'll never forget about this for the rest of my life i might not remember every last detail but i will never forget this moment and what we're doing and how it's it's playing out that is so valuable. That is something that, you know, it's not some Versace shirt that you send to the, you accidentally send to the dry cleaner and they ruin it and you go, oh, I spent all my money on this dumb shirt and it got ruined. Not that I would ever do that, but you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, but, but it's something. This is yours and it's yours alone. And it's something that nobody can take from you. It's something that goes in your, in your, in your mind and, and, and helps you. I mean, it, it, you fall back on that or you can remember it. it whenever you need to, you can access it. It's, it's, uh, yeah, man, it was, uh, powerful. And, and I, and I am grateful. I was in that position to have, to have that experience. And, um, I'm not, you know, look, I'm not to say that that was something that was, uh, an easy journey. It was, it was, there were, it was a roller coaster. It was a little, a little bit scary at first, but, but, uh, well worth it and and i came out the other side like changed because of it at least a little bit maybe even physically changed well i don't know i don't know it was work i don't know someone was working on me on the inside you know maybe they fixed something and this was just last friday that you did it yeah 
<laughs> yeah, so you're still running fresh. It's Monday, so you're pretty fresh off yeah. of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still yeah. trailing, baby. <laughs> yeah, you got the glow. <laughs> I'm still trying to, like, piece it all back together. I mean, it was, it was, it was like that, but... Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. Well, thank you. I'm glad you guys uh, gave me the opportunity to tell the story because, like I said, yeah, it is fresh in my mind. And it and uh, so for those of you out there that have done that, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's uh, um, it just more confirmation that it, the more I learn, the less I know. Mm. Uh, the more the more I think I got this stuff figured out, the more then that comes around, and I go, God damn it, I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and I'm insulted out. I'm a big, big believer in uh, journaling experiences and podcasting yep. absolutely falls into that category. And, uh, which is what a great time to, to get that in, uh, stamping it, stamp it in its place on the internet. It's awesome. Uh, well, thank you again so much, Charlie. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks boo. Thanks slavish. Dude. I'll talk to you guys later. Sounds good. All have right, a good have night, fun man. in Mexico. All right. Thank you. All right. All right bye. See you. Charlie Robinson, everybody. The Octopus of Global Control.com, Macroaggressions Podcasts. That's right. You can find him on Twitter. You can find him all over the place. Charlie Robinson, uh, Octopus of Global Control, and other books as well. Yes, like uh, Hypo Crazy. Hypo Crazy. Yes. Well, that was fun. Yeah, what a great time. What a great fellow. And by the way, for anybody who doesn't know, we're talking about Battle of the Douchebags. Uh, you know, that was done through abs and a six packs or seat sitter. Can we, we had a uh, nice long run on that? Can we, um, let's just do like a total avant garde hard reverb promo for the next BOTD. <laughs> we'll just put it out there into the universe, see what happens next time. Wait, <laughs> next time. Wait, next time. On Battle of the Douchebags. <laughs> We're coming for you, Bill Gates. We're coming for you. Boobery wants some action. Truly. Oh, I love it. This is a great show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're not allowed to say that out loud. I will say the quiet part out loud. <laughs> Watch me. Let's do a let's do a couple of screen mails. Get the hay out of here. Let's do it. Back in the nineties I dreamed of observing a mushroom cloud west of the city I grew up in. Uh-oh. Some of my earliest memories involved Ooh. recurring dreams, but the mushroom cloud dreams didn't become recurring. And until the past couple of years, at most, maybe just the past year. In the past year, I've had at least two dreams where I was too close to the detonation to have witnessed the cloud, only the delivery vehicles, before being awakened, as it were. But most recently, early in the morning of January 8th, I dreamed of about four detonation clouds with a very small blast radii, which had the effect of long, tall columns with very small, it would seem, shroom tips, hmm. at least small relative to the, to the, uh, the shaft. So okay. followed by then, after four of those, approximately a more traditional Hiroshima-Nagasaki 
grade A-bomb looking cloud before suddenly I was incinerated into wakefulness. So I suppose those first four were what we hear described as a tactical special ordinance. And the first thing I thought about waking was, you know, Eastern Europe or hope against hope, Tel Aviv or DC. And I was thinking, why in the hell later I was thinking, would anyone for the, maybe I was off the mark. Why would anyone for the purpose of testing or any other one-off reason irradiate a location we're trying to terraform unless it makes the corn grow better mm. on Mars? Maybe the silver lining is if I happen to look up and see the big one, it might be fair for me to expect to wake up from a, a weird dream somewhere far away in time and space. My green dreams for behind the scenes. Behind the dreams. Behind the dreams, caller. And caller does have a short eight second follow up. Correction. <clears throat> That's not behind the scenes. That's behind the shims. Get to work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Duh. Get to work, you lazy fucking bonds. You fucking, you good for nothing laying around motherfuckers. If I had to come in here one more fucking time and see your lazy goddamn ass on that lazy goddamn ass sucking couch, I swear to Christ, Charlie. Are you, are you uh, reliving some... <laughs> No, <laughs> that was that was just the 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 has no no relation to Charlie, who was just a a fantastic guest we had on. That was just like the 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 name that I could clutch quickly. <laughs> Charlie's a good name. We're talking about Charlie, but you know, Sir Seed Sitter's kid being named Charlie. Charlie's a good name, no doubt. And especially we, good to yell, Charlie. We got uh, not from Charlie, but from Christopher Battles, another voicemail. Oh. Are listening to Behind the Schemes with Laddish and Booberry, Mothman of the Hot Air Balloon Captain. That's right. That's me. <laughs> oh, silent air. Yeah. Um, scream. You know, I didn't really have anything to scream about. Had a good That's weekend. good. That's a good thing. Uh, did some stuff, you know, out of some stuff for Valentine's Day for some uh, community thing, and uh, yeah, so it was a good time. Uh, but I was, I was thinking, I was thinking after work, or we almost when work was getting over, I was like, "What do I scream about?" And I was just like, "You know what? We're just gonna be like, whoa, that's a scream." Uh, yeah, woo, good day. Nothing, nothing <laughs> like uh, woo, super change or nothing. But I guess just mindset, and uh, probably got a little bit of extra sleep. I think, kind of, sorta, and uh, so a little bit more. Vibrant at work, I guess, however you want to put that. And, uh, oh, yeah! Even though, you know, things can change there. But, uh, yeah. So, we're just going to give a positive scream. You know, nothing angry. You know, just that joyful woo. And, uh, we'll be at that. So, that's about that. What you guys, what were you guys up to over the weekend? I'm not, I mean, you're going to tell us anyway, but oh, no, in case yeah. you don't, here's, here's a place for commentary on your weekend. And, yeah. All right, well, I love you guys. Remember to stay dangerous, even if it's not the 5th of November. And uh, whether you're in a hot air balloon or you're recording behind the schemes, uh, you've taken over the dope industry, you know, just go ahead and say, Cacao! Cacao! 
Podcasting from a hot air balloon. Interesting challenge. Yeah, sounds extremely dangerous and unpractical. Let's do it. <laughs> get, get the whole rig up there. We'll get a generator in there. We'll get a, a Honda generator. And it'll just be cranking right next to us in this little hot air balloon. Sounds great. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> sounds fun. Uh, love you too, caller. Uh, ho- hope you're well. Thanks for thanks for checking in. Glad you had a good weekend. Glad that you don't have anything too crazy to scream about. I did uh I did do something a little out of the norm this past weekend. I bought a video game and I played it. <laughs> did you? Which which video game did you play and buy and play? There was a surprise drop of Metroid Prime Remastered for the Switch. Uh which uh, originally debuted on the GameCube and I very much enjoyed the game at the time. And I was like, fuck it. I can blast through Metroid in a in a weekend. Hell yeah, it's easy. Beautiful. And that's a great game, too. So they just dropped the, the remaster on Switch, huh? Yep. Mm, Cotton Gin informs me it's 60 frames per second. Yeah, it was fun, man. Felt good. That's a good one. It's got a great soundtrack, too. Mm, no doubt. Yeah, it's uh, just got the hard mode unlocked. I'm like, hmm, do I want to? Could I? <laughs> Should I? Should I? I will. Would I? <laughs> I shan. I sh- nice. Yeah. Well, good. Because you're not a big uh, video game. I mean, you are a big video game guy, but you don't often have time to play video games. So I'm glad that you got some time to play video games. It was good. Uh, we did I'm have- still enjoying my West Virginia game, by the way, which I, I still get a kick out of all the, the Mothman cultists running around. Oh, yeah. What a. What a fantastic group of folks to just run around with. Holy oh, Mothman, take me to the twilight. That's right. I got the Mothman throne now, which oh, I've wow. built in my place. So I've got a nice little, uh, uh, it's a throne made of skulls. It's really nice. As, as, it, as it should be. As it should be. Yeah. If your throne isn't made of skulls, is it really a throne? Are you living? Are they dead? Because your enemies are. If you don't Oops. have a if you don't have a pile of skulls, <laughs> you know what Why I'm saying. Why don't you go back to square one and fix that real quick? Would you? Have? I'm going to take you back to skull school. How about that? <laughs> skull school. <laughs> Lesson one: I want your skull. <laughs> oh man, back to skull. <laughs> oh goodness, oh, I'm not well, sure. I'm glad what- that the game that you got wasn't the uh, the tranny hating Harry Potter game. You know, funny enough, that's what Lightbright bought. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> is it good? Does she like it? Uh, she is unhappy with the graphics on it. Oh, oh, yeah. I guess uh, there's a lot of uh, frame issues with assets kind of glitching in and out of frame, birds, hair, you know, easy shit. Uh, sounds like a fresh game, fresh out of the oven. Take a couple of years of them to. Fix it all up and patch it. Yep, many uh, such cases. But uh, you know, she's she's into the uh, the Witcher, the Red Dead. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, wouldn't you know? Given enough time, I, I wouldn't mind giving another stab at the Witcher uh, Three. Oh, Witcher Three is probably one of the greatest games ever made. But man, it is heavy. There's just a lot in it. Yeah, like a just a time sink. I tried playing it on tour. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you telling me that. 
Ugh. Yeah, oh, it's, it's tough. It's <laughs> a lot of shit. I didn't go to mine. Well, uh, do you got anything else for tonight? Um, we both ended up having material pulled, but uh, I think at this point we'll push it off till next week. I think that sounds about right. I think you got the right idea. There's one thing that I will just say, not to do with my material, but uh, just letting uh, people know that I will be up in the Seattle area uh, the first week of March, uh, the 2nd to the 6th. So if anybody is in the Seattle area, I know that there may be a few people in the green room or uh, listening who are, well, then uh, feel free to hit me up and uh, maybe we can do like, I don't know about a meetup, but like an official meetup, but we can just, you know, hang out in Seattle if, if you're in the area, just so you know. Karaoke. Karaoke. Yes. Something I do just about every time I go to Seattle, I end up going to a karaoke bar and I actually took a cotton gin and Sharky to a karaoke bar. And we had a good time. I actually think Gavin fucking Newsom mandated that uh, whenever you traveled to Washington, you had to go to a karaoke bar. It's Gavin, of, huh? Uh, or is that? Are you talking about oh, uh, Jay fucking Inslee? Jay Excuse fucking me. Inslee. Jay yeah, fucking yeah. Inslee. And your governor's God. mixed up. I know. <laughs> how, how could I ever do that? <laughs> yeah, you know, Gavin would never mandate anything so fun. I shouldn't say that I, I took. Cotton Gin and Sharky to the karaoke bar. They met me there. <laughs> Willingly. Willingly. I swear. Where? I swear on my honor. I swear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's all I think I have for the evening. And just great times. The uh, spook.social should be settled out now. Uh, yes. I ended up getting that upgraded with the Prometheus.system guys. So hopefully uh, the interruptions will have disappeared by now, which I haven't seen any as of late. So if there's any issues, you know, always just reach out. Uh, you can also email us, boo at behindtheschemes.com or lavish at behindtheschemes.com, uh, SCH3M3S. And um, always remember, if you're boosting this in the future, these splits are good forever. <laughs> That's right. Forever. Oh, yeah. Well, you've been listening to episode 139 of Behind the Schemes. We are a value-for-value production, which means that we don't have ads, we don't have any corporate sponsorship, we don't do any really lame reads. Uh, We are purely a public-supported program. So if you want to reach out and you want to support the show, you can always... uh, There's a myriad of ways you can do it. You can call us, 612-263-7999. You can find us at spook.social on Mastodon. Uh, You can email us at the email aforementioned. And you can go to our website, BehindTheSchemes.com. Uh, schemes has threes for ease. Or at our show notes, ZososCorner.Substack.com. They get links to everything else. Check us out in the chat room, hashtag greenroom on irc.zeronode.net. And a lot of other cool things. So come on, check it out. Damn, son, let me pass you this. Start puffing, boy. I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And don't forget, go take all your clothes off. New podcast. Nudepodcastapps.com. Yeah, that's right. Nudepodcastapps.com. Get rid of your old lame podcast player. Get get involved with the future. The future. And again, a big, big thanks to Charlie Robinson, author of The Octopus of Globe Control and host of Macrogressions for joining us tonight. He is the man. No doubt. We're going to Mexico. 
<laughs> it you know, sounds, it sounds it's like one, he, one hell of a trip. <laughs> sounds great. I'm one ready. hell of a trip. <laughs> I had a great time last time. I want to go in a non-professional capacity. Oh, that's where you want to be in Mexico. You want to dig your toes in the sand and do do what you do best. Yeah, what a rock star, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be so great. I can't wait. But until can't that wait. time, I've been Booberry, Black Knight of the Mothman. And all the way from way the hell over here, I have been and will continue to be lavish. I call him lavish. Lavash. Yeah, can't forget about Lavash. I'm on this spectrum. Shut him up. Smoke cigarettes. Oh, I love cigarettes. Goat sacrifices. It's been a long time. Lavash. Yeah, can't forget about Lavash. Fuck. I harass people on the podcast all the time. What the fuck is autism? You know, love is lit is actually winning this this battle. We're ruled by lizard people, and they're tired of eating bugs in private and they want to be able to go to a restaurant and order a giant pile of bugs and not feel ashamed.